You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Arr, ahoy, mateys. Join us tonight to talk of starships and pirates. Yes, a little piece of me died when I just did that, but no worries, it's Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and that must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. Like I'm Heather Barker, and I am not a pirate, unfortunately. I don't believe you. <laughs> I, you know, I came very close. I, I recently donated my pirate outfit. Uh, there was one in Halloween's past, and gosh darn it, I wish I had it, because I would have dressed up. Um, to, to, <laughs> tonight, it's time again for you, our Star Trek pals, to talk to us, your Star Trek pals, about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episode 7, The Street Squall. We're here... You're here with us. We're here with us, too. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Just click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and password you see in the show notes. (laughs) You're laughing already. (laughs) What's up? What's up? Is it just the intro? What? uh, Yeah, yeah. it's the pirates. It's the pirates for sure. Pirates are always fun. Pirates are always fun. And, and Heather, to me, you are many things, and I'm sure a pirate among them. You you can be the pirate that you want to be. <laughs> no? I do have a parrot, so that works. Oh, that's very good. You're, you're halfway there. You're at least I just need a peg leg there. now. I don't well, want a peg well, leg. But... Uh, not that. No, don't. <laughs> you don't have to go there. <laughs> all right. So as we're waiting for all of you to line up in the Earl Green room, let's see who's with us tonight in the chat. Heather, you've already been active there, and I believe you said you had some friends there. So uh, yeah, you give them I a see special David shout there. out. Hi, David. Nice. And David, uh, let's just go ahead and do the whole thing. David works on a show that... Uh, oh, yeah. Promenade Merchants Podcast. Excellent. With my bestie, Heather. Fantastic. There you go. David, welcome to the show. There's Jane. There's Paul. Ooh, we, we got one Paul. Do we have another Paul? Oh, no. we, we got Scott Palm. Hi, Scott. How's it going? We got Rhea. We got, uh, ooh, how, oh, John Arminio, speaking of podcasters. Uh, we got Dennis, and we got Alex, and ooh, we got Dan. We got a lot of, a lot of uh, returning faces and, and some newer faces out there. Alan, of course, the Meme King, and uh, Chris Riker. Uh, already giving a uh, pirate shout out there, Captain's Log. Arr. So uh, glad to hear you there. We got Barbara. We got uh, ooh, who else? We got uh, ooh, just uh, just a lot of people all being very active and very chatty. Keep it up. I can't wait to see your comments about tonight's episode. Before we get into the recap, though, uh, Heather, if you could do the honors for us and uh, remind me, please, because it's just nonstop for me. Please remind me and all of our guests. What's coming up in Mission Log World and Roddenberry Podcasts for the week? I can do that. Okay. This week on Mission Log. (laughs) This Thursday, the standard Mission Log continues with Jatrell. Oh, boy. (laughs) That's a heavy one. No jokes for this one. Uh, We will leave those for the Mission Log computer. Elsewhere with Roddenberry Podcasts, make sure you're tuned into Mission Log The Orville. Captain Mike Richards and Jessica Lynn Verdi are also quantum driving forward with their current episode recap of Season 3, Episode 2, Shadow Realms. It's available now with Episode 3 covering... uh, Yeah, we don't even know what the uh, title is. I don't, anyway. Eh, Earl, Earl will let us know. Yeah. Anybody got to uh, like ESP out there or something? Earl knows all. He'll he'll drop it in the chat. (laughs) Well, that's all ready to drop this Wednesday, June 22nd. But wait, there's more. Mission Log Prodigy recently had an excellent interview with executive producer and writer Aaron Waltke. I love that guy so much. He is a fencer, or at least he knows what fencing in. He he has done it before. Oh, how cool. cool. Yes. Um, Check that out while we wait for Prodigy's return, which I'm patiently waiting for Prodigy's return. We all are. Yes. Uh, But so you can find Mission Log Prodigy, Mission Log The Orville, and Mission Log Engage video exclusively at YouTube slash Ronberry Entertainment. And make sure you stay in touch with all of our podcasts at podcast.ronberry.com. All right, here we go. It's time to do the recap. And I know that we already have 
at least two callers lined up. I expect to see more hang out in the Earl Green room and then join us for a little uh, follow-up conversation on the episode. So here we go. Strange New World, Season 1, Episode 7, The Serene Squall, Avast. T'Pring is still trying to rehabilitate the criminally illogical, but she has time for a Zoom call with Spock where she tries to spice things up with little old earth erotica. That just makes him nervous, and he has to go confide in Nurse Chapel that he's having relationship trouble again. Meanwhile, Captain Pike is greeting a guest, Dr. Aspen, who has been doing humanitarian work in the area and needs help from the Enterprise rescuing colonists while also avoiding pirates. Having worked with Vulcans before, Dr. Aspen takes an interest in Spock, seeing as how he hasn't gone through the ritual purging of emotions yet. Hold that thought. Because before you know it, the Enterprise has arrived in an asteroid belt where there's a distress call. Could be legit from the missing colonists, two of their three ships were destroyed, or it could be totally a fake. Guess which one it is? Go ahead, it's a fake! Soon enough, the Enterprise is trapped in a high-energy reflective laser netting, and one false move means kaboom. Spock is put in the uncomfortable position of having to guess at the best target to shoot their way out, which he does, and Dr. Aspen catches up with him later to make sure he's okay after the difficulty. Guessing is hard for Vulcans, less so for humans, but Spock is both. Aspen suggests maybe he's neither, only further confusing him. At last, the Enterprise catches up with the remaining colonial ship, and a scan reveals a number of life signs, probably all the missing colonists, as well as, a, well, whomever took them hostage. Pike and a landing party beam over, taking extreme caution, but it's not enough. They're captured in short order, and apparently some of those pirates took the opportunity to beam over to the Enterprise. They're now doing all they can to take control. Una locks down the computers, and Spock makes a valiant escape off the bridge with Dr. Aspen. Still, they're in a tough situation, the captain being held hostage, and violent pirates threatening the safety of the Enterprise crew. Oh, and surprise, Remy, the head pirate in charge on the Serene Squall, is Orion. In the melee, Una is captured along with other crew members, but Spock manages to get away with a slightly injured Dr. Aspen. They hide out in a Jeffrey's tube until they can get to sickbay, and from there go to engineering to try to take control of the ship. Nurse Chapel has also been hiding out in a Jeffrey's tube and narrowly avoids capture when she's caught trying to send an SOS. Back on the serene squall, Pike has worked his charm to offer up a good meal to the pirate crew so they can all talk about the situation they're in. The Orion captain wants to tell uh, wants to sell the Enterprise and then trade off its crew for Klingon slave labor. Pike sees a vulnerability to exploit. The pirate crew aren't all on board with their captain, well, Remy, as more of his crew show up, hostages from the Enterprise, he lets them on his, in on his plan to get the pirates to have their own little mutiny. Spock and Aspen make their way to engineering and find Nurse Chapel there, but uh-oh, Spock has been had. Once he has control of the ship, Aspen takes it all at phaser point. She's not Dr. Aspen. She's Captain Angel of the Serene Squall. Now she's got a ship, the crew captured, and what's next is a call to T'Pring. You see, T'Pring is rehabilitating a prisoner called Zaverius, and he happens to be Angel's lover, so how about a trade? Zaverius goes free, or Spock dies. T'Pring does show up, but Spock has a plan of his own, convincing T'Pring that he and Chapel are having an affair, a ruse Chapel goes along with. That severs T'Pring and Spock's bond, and thus their betrothal is off, so it seems is the prisoner exchange. The pirate crew on the Serene Squall have been slightly overtaken, and at exactly the right time, Pike and crew descend upon the Enterprise, locking out those command codes remotely, leaving Angel no recourse but to surrender. Well, not exactly. There's an escape ship hiding nearby, but the rest of the pirate crew is going to have some answering to do. Finally, T'Pring pays a visit to Spock so they can clear the air and uh, rebond. After that, Spock has more air clearing to do without the rebonding with Nurse Chapel. She gets it. She's not going to come between him and T'Pring. What they did was for the mission. But one last question. 
Who was it that Angel was trying to save? Just Spock's half-brother, the one Sarek fathered out of wedlock, a full Vulcan who is actually named Cybok. The end. Oh, Heather. Cybok! <laughs> um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about that part tonight because, I, you know... I hate the C word. I hate the <laughs> canon word. I really do. I hate, I hate framing my enjoyment or lack of enjoyment of Star Trek around just all the little quote, you know, canon details or not. This is one that, uh, that I got to say I appreciated. And I kind of want to put it into context with the other canon stuff in, in and out of Strange New Worlds. What, what are your initial feelings on, on the episode? Well, um, we had to follow up child sacrifice. So I'm well, glad that we got something much lighter. Um, really anything would be lighter. <laughs> you know? thank, thank goodness. It, yeah, it could be 90 minutes of root canal and it would just say that would be lighter than, uh, than that episode. Yeah. I, I appreciated that the episode still had some really meaningful context, especially about like the non-binary existence um, and that whole that whole conversation. Because I think that not only does it apply very much to Spock and Spock's life experience, um, but I think there was a, a another metaphor there for people who might identify as non-binary. Um, and it's not super straightforward, but as someone who identifies as a non-binary woman, I picked up on it. And that meant a lot to me. So I was glad to see that. You know, I, I thought it was so concise and so perfect because here we all are watching this show. We're all Star Trek fans. We all understand the basics about Spock at the very least that he is torn between two identities, two cultures, two upbringings, and, and literally the, these halves that, that tear away each other. And in the guise of Dr. Aspen, what is said to him that you may just be you. It's not about what you are it's about who you are to be that concise that sort of perfectly stated i i thought was lovely in the in the best of star trek traditions just to be able to to get a difficult idea that that people do struggle with and, and understanding and put it in kind of the perfect context i i thought it was i thought it was fantastic i, I um, you know that that aspect of it was handled well I think that what I love about Spock so much is that, you know, he, he embodies the other. And for so many times that we feel like we're pulled in between two places, it's, it, he's so relatable. And so yeah. watching that and, and watching his reaction through the whole thing and his, the, his parts of the conversation and just hearing that not only can you understand from Spock's point of view, but you kind of get insight into what other people are struggling with. And I just, I liked that it was just there and part of the story. And then meanwhile, we have some great pirate, <laughs> pirate fun and, right. and bad pike hair and kabooms <laughs> um, and, and just a lot of fun with the rest of the crew and, and whoa, the kiss, kisses, but the kiss. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing, though. It's those small canon moments that I feel like inform the others. They, they, they fill in the blanks. They inform the other stuff. So there we were all watching TOS and going like, well, what is it that is underneath Chapel's feelings for Spock? Like, we all get it that Spock's an attractive dude and, and people can like him. Certainly the fans at the time liked Spock, but there's something very clear there with Chapel. This is wonderful than to think about how this is 10 years before any of that that we see in TOS. That's the heavy stuff that is lying under all of that. And it really gives you more appreciation for where she's coming from. Um, by the way, the, uh, there were a couple of things here that I wanted to point out um, in the chat. Uh, I love that, yeah, Jim quoting a line that I really liked. Again, Dr. Aspen sort of calling out Spock when he says, I was raised on Vulcan. That's just geography. <laughs> that yeah. has nothing to do with his identity, who he actually is. That is a great line. So, again, the efficiency of the way those things are written. Um, hey, let's, uh, let's go to our first caller. What do you think? 
Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. So, calling in, it is Rhea with some thoughts on strange new worlds. How are you doing today, Rhea? With some strange thoughts about new worlds. I'm doing great. How about <laughs> strange, you? I am doing very well. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, well, what you. is on your mind tonight? Oh, gosh. Well, um, old canon and new, I guess. Um, okay. First of all, I've been saying since season two of Discovery, you know, bring back Cybok, where's Cybok, where's Cybok? Ah. And I was so excited to finally have Cybok back. So, yay. Um, yeah. It I feels mean, like like the right, like people that make Star Trek are out there listening to fans. Like mm-hmm. that's something that we've talked about forever is Cybok and what happened to Cybok and love it or hate it. It's still a conversation that we're having. And so to me, it's like, they're listening. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, and anytime you have a prequel, you know, like you were saying earlier, John, you know, the C word, uh, you always have to kind of tiptoe around it. But Cybok is just like prime material that needs to be developed here. So super duper excited about that. Super duper excited about what I hope is a recurring villain with Captain Angel. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, my gosh. And I am uh, I'm still I've been looking all week ever since the episode dropped to try and like find something. Basically, I want to cosplay her. That cat yeah, was amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the character was amazing. And I mean, I was completely caught off guard, you know, by the, the twist there because, and I, I looked, the actor does use she and her. Um, mm-hmm. She was such a convincing counselor. And the question she was asking yep. Spock, even at the end, even as, you know, Captain Angel, the, the, the enemy, you know, who are you? I mean, that was just, kind of profound <laughs> yeah 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 thought that that was wonderful and and i was really taken in by her performance as well i i have of course seen the you know comments positive and negative out there in the world i try to avoid as much as i can particularly before coming into a show like this um but uh, feelings about uh, it was too much too too arch too too kind of telegraphed but there was something to me just kind of great and fun about that. Because yes. if you didn't have the moment at the end where Angel turns to Spock and basically is saying again, like, look, I may be the bad guy here, but I still have your number. And I, mm-hmm. still, I still know something of value about you. You know, yes. I, I thought that it, that helped to flesh out the character continuously instead of just being... Oh, here is just a total flip, a, a total 180 of who this mm-hmm. character is. No, nope, no, all that intelligence is still there. All that ability to kind of be a chameleon uh, mm-hmm. to to serve whatever her purpose is, <laughs> still there. Um, and yeah, may very well see her again. Wouldn't be surprised. I hope so. And the whole over the top villain thing is so TOS. It's very yeah. you know it Harry is. Mudd or yes. yeah Cyrano Jones. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, hey, uh, we actually we've got a, a bunch of callers lined up at the moment. Do you have any other yeah. thoughts uh, uh, that you want to part with? Absolutely nothing profound. Stranger okay. World is hitting it out of the park every week, though. I'm just loving nice. this. So. Nice. All right. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. Have a great night, Rhea. Take Thanks, care. you too. See ya. All right. And uh, calling in with Tendi over his shoulder, as usual, <laughs> it is Paul. It is Paul Harveth. How you doing tonight? Oh, I dig the T-shirt. I love the Ritos T-shirt. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, nice. guys. Great to see yeah. you, Heather and John. Always great to talk to you. I, I'll be quick. Um, yeah, what's up? First of all, there's two actor moments in this thing that I just, you had to notice where they just broke, right? One was when Nurse Chapel is being, you know, lectured by... Angel. As an actress, I think she mm. just looks at her and goes, how can you be like this? It's just the beauty. She's just looking at her going, what? How can you be this intense? Because, and, and you just, it almost, she almost looks confused. It's the first time I saw Chapel actually just sort of break. Um, uh. Really interesting moment. And then Una, Una was trying so hard not to laugh. God, please, when she goes, please stop, right? She couldn't, she yeah. couldn't let him get yeah. the line out. It was so hilarious. Uh, those are my two observations about the acting, but um, I'm going to leave every, let everybody else talk about the, the main things. I got three quotes that I thought were yeah. interesting. Don't try to be smarter than the truth. Ah, yes. What There's, a great line. 
boy, there's a lot of a lot of our society could could relish that line yeah. if they took it to heart. Yeah. Uh, love is the only thing that makes the cold loneliness of space bearable. Oof. And yep. that could be said about sometimes the cold loneliness of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <You right. know? laughs> right. yeah. yeah. And third of all, Spock, you are failing to communicate effectively. So good. So good. <laughs> so good. So, I'll let you guys chew on those and I'll just sit back and listen for a little bit. I, I kind of, I, I feel like, uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, th- those are great. I feel that line, uh, you are failing to communicate effectively. It would make a great t-shirt. It would make a great coffee mug. I, it makes a great email signature, you know? So anybody who wants to take those, you know, just, just run with them. I think that's great. So, uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, Rhea here in the chat says, I forgot to ask, was there not a Ston appearance? Yes, there was. There was absolutely Ston. And he looked great. Yeah. I, I mean, it, he looked so perfect. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't hold a candle to Spock. Like, sorry. But. <laughs> but he looks yeah. like. Lawrence Montagna, right? He does. He really does. All right, I'm going to make way for Alan. You had a busy show tonight. Great to see you guys, and see you next week. Take care, Paul. We'll see you then. All right. Uh, Okay. I've I've been waiting for this. I feel like all week I've been ready for this. It's Alan. Alan, what do you got for us tonight? Oh, avast, (laughs) Mr. Champion and Heather Barker. How (laughs) are you? <laughs> we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this all. The oh God! <laughs> oh, man. I knew it. I yes. knew it. <laughs> ah, it, twiz, tis good to be here tonight with you. Well, welcome, Pirate Alan. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so like. If anybody was gonna do this, I, it yeah, it was gonna be you. Uh, this, thank you for joining us, Pirate Alan. Yeah. This be my Renaissance fair <laughs> outfit. <laughs> I was going to say, you're ready. You're ready. You got to come to Colorado. We have like the whole setup out here. It's like a little town. It's here all the time. Uh, Tis a a glorious invitation. I shall have to take you up on it. (laughs) All right. uh, Pyra Allen thoughts about tonight's show. Uh, Other than just the, the, you know, supreme amount of pirate content in this episode. There'll be quite a bunch of skullduggery throughout this entire episode, my lad. Um, I, I must say that uh, this one, sometimes an episode hits me right just at the front, you know, right off the top. This was a two or three. Right, right, uh, right, right in the cannonballs, huh? Yes, yep. it got uh, it right. me right across the bow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this one had to, to circle port a couple of times. But eventually I was like, I think... I think it'll pass muster. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Baker says Alan's out for booty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You did say that. Me, awesome. Me, wait, uh, wait. Me, uh, Spock, then... Captain Angel, the whole crew. <laughs> uh, Alex, plot twist. Alan didn't see the episode, was just coincidentally wearing a pirate <laughs> outfit. <laughs> uh huh. Well, you know, it's it, it's it's just that time of month, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, everyone gets out their pirate gear on the nineteenth. That's what it's that's what it's all about. They do, they do. Uh, uh, Alan, other than the pirate content of the episode, were there other redeeming factors? Ah, uh, I, I think that there were. Uh, uh, there was an interesting contrast going on between. Uh, the lie, you know, the sort of the, the the insights into the love life of the Mister Spock character. Mm. Uh, it mm. seems as though he had a devil and an angel on his shoulder. Uh, oh. In fact, it almost looked a bit like an episode of Spy versus Spy with the yeah. way that they were with the way that they were outfitted. One in all black, oh. one in all white. Wow, mm-hmm. this is good. This is good stuff. Yeah. Nice. Ah, you didn't think you'd get serious points out of me, did you? I just, no, 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 I, I, look, even in the memes, there, there's always a point in it. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm glad. Glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, that that is an, an excellent point. And it sounds like, so like me, maybe at first glance, 
weren't so in love with the episode, but on a on a second watch, uh, came together for you. It did. It did. It uh, as I said, it, it it was sort of you know like a good pirate stew. It takes a while to to really come together. <laughs> pirate chili, maybe. Is pirate it, I, chili. Yes. I, I had that as a note. What were they eating? Was it chili? I, I or, or a stew. Yeah. It seemed a bit vegetably to, to be chilly, but okay. it, it, you know, Pike could do a vegetarian chili. We don't know. This uh, is probably a good question for Anson Mount when uh, when he's in Vegas oh, at the convention. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if you ask him in the pirate voice, <laughs> possibly. I possibly. we could we could trade accents. <laughs> you could. You could indeed. All right, Alan. Any uh, any further thoughts before we uh, we move along? I will say that, ironically, the thing that was holding me up at first was the fact that, uh, and this is very ironic given what I'm doing tonight, (laughs) but it did feel as though, for at least part of it, you know, the first couple of of viewings, that it felt more like characters acting in a pirate episode than a pirate episode itself. But eventually I just sort of succumbed to it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Just like scurvy. Uh, yeah, eventually you just succumb to it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'll say, live long and prosper. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Alan. We'll see you next time. Uh, I fully expect that between now and next week, Alan has worked out a full sea shanty that is themed to whatever the topic is. Of, oh, there's uh, a whole Star Trek sea shanty thing on TikTok. Like, Wait, that's is a thing. There? Yeah, that's been a thing. Go find it. I Yeah. All right, so I'm not on TikTok. I understand that there was a brief revival of the sea shanty like during COVID. Didn't pay attention to that. But now that I know that there's Star Trek sea shanties. Yep, they're out there. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. Um, before we go to our next caller, we're, we're going to take a moment for uh, the business of the episode, which we always have to do. Uh, but, but before we get to that, I, just a couple of the notes that you and I might have similar notes on some of these things, but some of the fun stuff that I wanted to point out. I love that little bit of dialogue, the, um, you know, get close. How close are we getting? First date or third date? Blind <laughs> yeah, date. Yeah, blind date. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful so bit of dialogue. I, it, you know, it, something that we've been talking about here, the, the chemistry with these characters. Uh, and as Paul said, you know, like whether it's Una and the captain, or I feel like the captain and Ortegas, there seems to be like a genuine camaraderie here. And I don't know if it's just the, the like really good acting or just that they're having so much fun with the material. But, but moments like that, I feel like really stand out because they feel genuine, they feel earned and they feel fun. Like they're letting us in on the fun that they're having, you know? Um, Also really appreciated the whole sequence with Spock having to take a guess about which target to fire upon of course, I hope it reminded everybody else, as it did me, of Star Trek Four, and Spock having to take a guess about Mr. Scott's calculations, and then uh, uh, McCoy saying, of course, you know, his guess is safer than anyone else's facts. I thought yep. that was great. Yeah. Um, and uh, just the uh, gratuitous use of Jeffrey's tubes. In this oh, episode, so I thought so good. So good. Yeah. So uh, good. Any any other uh, uh, quick observations that you had? Uh, well, like uh, with that, with the Jeffrey's tubes, uh, we had mm-hmm. Spock looking at his little viewer, which is always yes. Fun. I love the viewer. Yes. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. the greatest thing. I love that they kept that around. Um, yeah. And then Ortegas was flying manually, and so every now and then we see somebody flying manually yeah. uh, and, and not crashing ships and stuff like that. So, like we we did good. Um, I you know I really love Ortegas. So I want to I want yes. more. Like Ortegas has all these great lines and is really funny. Um, but I want the Ortegas episode. Like I I want more oh, time yeah. with her for sure. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, Chapel and the hypospray, turning her hypospray into yes. a weapon. Like, yes. best thing ever. And again, you know, I 
I really appreciate this filling in the blanks of, of Chapel's life and turning Chapel into someone that isn't just an unrequited love story, a person with a crush on Spock who happens to do nurse things. Like she gets to kick ass yeah. um, and, and is a good friend. And I really love seeing this set up with Spock and their friendship. Um, but yeah, getting to see her kick ass and really all the women across this series, even the last episode, I think it was Alora like you know kick the butt of the guy attacking her like it's just really great uh to see women who can take care of themselves that don't need someone to you know come save the day like we can do it we got it there there are things in star trek well in in any franchise that goes on for you know umpteen years there are things that are always i think fair game and worthy of reinvention and to have chapel who look and it is no slight against majel um but to go from playing number one in the cage to then having this character that was pretty ill-defined and and as you said was just sort of playing the unrequited love story to spock um, I feel like it was a bit unfair. Uh, so to have somebody who can reinvent the character 10 years prior to what we got out of TOS and really have some fun with it, but even with that fun, gets to inform the little pieces that we do have from uh, from Chapel and TOS, I think is great. I, I think that's absolutely way, the, the way to do that with a character for whom there's not a lot of meat there Mm -hmm. if you just go with what we got in tos i fully want if there's going to be uh a uh, an action figure for chapel she has to come with the action hypo spray yes because that that is her weapon of choice and i'm here for it i love it um but yeah i i'm just so happy to see her have a life of her own in this series yeah Good stuff. And just be awesome. She's so awesome. Jess Bush is doing a great job. I love her. She is. She is. Yeah. Hey, uh, right before we went on the air tonight, uh, Heather and I were talking a little bit about the Mission Log Patreon community and specifically the Mission Log Discord, which is exclusive to our Patreon. Actually, I got an email the other day from somebody who said, hey, I keep hearing you talk about Discord, but I don't know how to get to it. And I wrote back and said, if you keep hearing me talk about Discord, you keep hearing about it in the context of an ad for Patreon. <laughs> so go there, <laughs> patreon.com slash mission log. And that's how you get access to it. And really, um, I, I was a, a latecomer to Discord. I was all about, you know, we do have the exclusive swag in Patreon. We have the early access to our shows and the unedited shows in Patreon. That has its own life. But Discord is really where the community is. Heather, you're new to it, but you've been very active there and checking it out. Uh, tell us about it. Tell us about your experience there. There's just lots of awesome people. Um, one, one of the things that I have learned over the years, and especially through the pandemic, um, it's great to get to talk to Star Trek fans all across the world. I love to build community and bring people into our fandom, but it's not so much about the quantity of people as it is the quality of people like in your, your, your space, wherever that is. And so whether it's this discord group, I'm in a couple others, but they're, you know, like close tight knit groups of people that get along together, despite being scattered across the world, coming from all walks of life, um, able to just talk about all kinds of things, what food, pets, all the different series, um, different sci-fi series. Uh, we got like happy father's day to the dads that were in the group. Um, and so it's just, it's been really great to get to know everyone. Um, and it's nice to be somewhere that, you know, you feel accepted and everyone's friendly. Uh, and anytime, like if, if it does get a little heated, like we're all very (laughs) respectful and kind, um, because that's who Star Trek fans are. Truly. And, you know, I've said it from the beginning that we've been really lucky with Mission Log to have uh, a a sizable audience, but people who are here on the same page of wanting to talk about the ideas of Star Trek and uh, being able to do that in the even more open kind of organic community that is Discord. Uh, Paul, Paul just mentioned in here, he said, I I love our weekly live streams. And that's we're doing Mm -hmm. that a few times a week now where it's just kind of an open forum and, and it's me and or no 
norm. Uh, and uh, we get to just sort of turn on the cameras and, and chat, just hang out for a while. And uh, sometimes it's Voyager, sometimes Strange New Worlds. We've been doing Stargate, Orville, Captain Mike showed up to, to do that one. And um, it's just cool to be able to chat and see each other and, and bridge that gap. So if you'd like to join, you know what to do. Go to patreon.com slash mission log. And from there, you get all the other stuff that we talked about. But you get to join our Discord. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. And there's even a discount if you do the annual subscription, which is a great way to do it. So, um, yeah, Wednesday nights, we're live. Thursday afternoons, we're doing After Dark, where we talk about the current episode of Mission Log. Uh, sometimes it actually stays on topic. So, you know, if that's uh, if that's good for you, you can join us there. So patreon.com slash mission log. I hope that we see you all there. All right. Let's get back to our chat about the serene squall. I like that little bit of uh, contradiction there, that you can have a serene, you know, storm (laughs) yeah kind of goes with the whole theme of the episode it does it does you might say that that uh spock's inner turmoil bit of a serene squall you know Mm -hmm. all right well let's see what our next caller has to say about it i believe that brandon is up he's been waiting patiently and it looks like he's calling from the uh from the mess hall yeah, it's a little lonely here, actually. I think everybody should be getting here in a minute. And okay. I really, uh, yeah. I well, and, and hopefully you're, you're on the actual mess hall of the Cerritos. You're not in that simulation where, you know, Boimler is going to be up on that uh, bar behind you and doing God knows what. So, no, no. Yeah. You want to stay out of simulations these days because you do not want to be having drinks with Badgie. No, 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 you do not. No, no, that that is an invitation for disaster. So uh, tell me, uh, what is on your mind tonight, Brandon? Uh, well, I really I wanted to start off by thanking you for that interlude just there so that I didn't have to have my first time on your show being right after Alan and because uh, like, I didn't come with any sort of pirate anything prepared. And you, you, uh, you, you, yeah, it was not a requirement to have a uh, pirate persona for a tonight show. So, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was not going to be able to follow that. Um, who can? Who can? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to talk, I mean, there's, first of all, I think we're probably a, a lot of us are thinking it and probably a lot of us are going to say just how much we loved Jesse James Keitel as Dr. Aspen slash angel. I mean, yeah. I remember thinking throughout the episode, man, this is just such a great character and, and what great acting so precise, so perfect side by side with Spock. And then at the reveal, this just amazing turn uh where you you feel like jesse is just saying this scene it's mine uh angel just she stole the scene like they were gonna go sell it on the black market it it was it was amazing so that that, i say that that's one of those moments where um you, you know i i try to make a point to not watch screeners too far ahead, particularly when we're doing um, uh, a serialized show, because I don't want to be spoiled for things uh, when we're having a conversation like this, right? But then an episode like this, get to watch kind of on its own, and I, I enjoyed it. I appreciated the lightness of it, but I wasn't really tuned into it. When I rewatched it, so things like Angel's turn, uh, Dr. Aspen's turn, wasn't a spoiler anymore. It wasn't a surprise anymore. I appreciated it more, actually, because then I just got to be taken in by the drama of it. I got to be taken in by how it affected the other characters instead of, well, this is a different character now and, and what, what's happening. So I, I think it holds up better on a rewatch in that case. At least it did for me. Yeah. I think um, the, the rewatch does give you that great opportunity to, um, you know, I, I, I have that moment where uh, they get out of that web and uh, you, they all think that they just did a great job. And we're sitting here being like, oh, you've got another 30 minutes. You're in trouble. If you got through that so easily, it's because you were supposed to. Yeah. Um, and so when you go through and you know that it can, I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, yeah, what else? So what else is the other end of the spectrum? On the other mm-hmm. hand, I, am, I found myself thinking it is amazing 
that everything in the galaxy that happens is somehow connected to one of about 30 people. Yeah. Um, and I, I know, I suspect this is actually not going to be wildly popular, but mm-hmm. hear me out. I, I kind of heaved a bit of a sigh at the reveal of Cybok. Not because I hate Sp- Cybok. I watched sure. Star Trek V more than any other movie when I was a child at my grandparents' house. Every time oh, I went, wow. they said, pick a video to rent. And it was... Star Trek five. Um, So I I loved it growing up and it's, so it's not any cyborg hate, but I sort of coming off the, off the no turns allowed trip down memory lane. That was Star Trek Picard. What I'm Mm. loving about strange new worlds is that it gives us looks into characters that we either didn't get to know as well as they deserved before Mm -hmm. uh, or are just meeting Spock being the exception, but we're like, let's explore more about Eat Pike. We know Pike, sure, but let's explore more about him. Let's learn more about Uhura. But also, check out this Ortegas person. She's probably like the coolest. So yeah. why don't we learn some more? <laughs> let's let's see about her. Let's see about number one. All these new things I really love. And I feel like the more you anchor yourself as a show to previous stuff, the more you risk painting yourself into a corner and the less room you have for new stuff. So you, you end up with something like uh, discovery showing us the Federation almost getting obliterated in a massive war 20 years before Carol Marcus tells David Marcus Starfleet has kept the peace in the galaxy for over 200 years. Uh, right. Oops. Yeah. It's hard. I, I definitely have thoughts about that before I get to it though. I want to hand it over to Heather and see if you've got some thoughts about that. Uh no, no, I, 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 I don't. I don't. Today. I'm sorry. Heather. <laughs> oh, no. no, it's okay. I'm, I'm not a big, big fan um, of Cyborg, um or, or the film, but I, I don't know. I, I really like what the writers and showrunners have done so far. And so I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going with this. Um, like they've turned to Pring into somebody really fun and great that I love. Um, I don't know that they're going to do that with Cybok in any way, but maybe the, just adding some depth to him. The weirdest thing is that when we meet him, it just looks like Ethan Peck with a wig on. <laughs> like it's it just looks i'm like okay is that what they're doing like what um so i'm just curious to see what they do i again i think because cyborg is such a controversial figure in fandom that people talk about him all the time whether good or bad mostly bad uh that they're probably pulling on that and then bringing that character in to do something hopefully fun and memorable i don't know i try to be an optimist um I'll, uh, well, I like that. I, of course, yeah, I, I appreciate trying to be an optimist here, you know. Um, I, I think the thing is that we all as fans have our own level of tolerance for what is, uh, an interesting point of connection or continuation or filling the blanks versus what is too much or, or belaboring, uh, a character or a plot point to the extent that that we don't get something else out of it. And so that is a very subjective thing. And um, I absolutely, I, I'm right there with you with uh, the, the problems with having a lot of the action in Star Trek boiled down to a handful of characters. Um, look, uh, Star Trek Discovery is a great, well-made show. I think that Michael Burnham is a terrific, complex character. I didn't feel the need for her to be raised by Sarek, especially because all that Vulcan conflict is pretty much now forgotten. We, we just haven't really explored that at all as part of her character anymore. So it was something that, that started out trying to say, look, it's Star Trek. Look, it's Star Trek because we said Sarek. And then it, it didn't really pan out too much other than giving us new Pike new Spock, (laughs) you know, and and a new show to spin off from. So things like that drive me a little crazy. Uh, Things like, okay, we only know so much about Spock and T'Pring, so how much are we going to focus our time on that? That had me a little wary at first, but now I find them to be so much fun and so interesting that I feel like it's woven into the show in a pretty organic way. Cybok 
And again, I'm not somebody who watches Star Trek with the big chart on the board and connecting the dots and doing the whole like conspiracy board. You know, that's not how I watch anything. Uh, but but Cybok is one of those rare cases where I remember sitting in a theater watching Star Trek Five for the first time, and they introduced oh it's Spock's brother. Wait, hang on, wait, what a minute, wait a minute, they're introducing a brand new character we we haven't heard of before. How can we possibly do this? But we all accepted it. We all moved on with the movie, and the movie, I think, has many, many strengths. Even if this is all we get out of it, and I don't think it will be, I think it'll be back, but this one moment in this show where you just have Spock acknowledge that there is this other guy, and I think most importantly, born out of wedlock for his father, A, to me, it drives home the idea that Sarek is in no running for the Father of the Year award on Vulcan, or anywhere else for that matter. And B, it helps to further explain that this kind of like shame and imposed distance that Vulcans keep about the terrible things that they do and the mistakes that they often find themselves in. So if all we're doing is connecting those dots, totally good with that. Because it helps me to then get to Star Trek V and go like... Oh, yeah, that's why, <laughs> you know, but if it turns into a whole story where we're entirely focused on Cybok and in my head, I'm going, but we were entirely focused on Cybok for an entire feature film, then I might change my tune. Uh, but I guess we'll we'll see when, when we get there, if we get there. So, yeah, I feel you, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I, I, I find myself, I, I feel like I have faith in the showrunners at Strange New Worlds. Um, yes, there's, a, there's maybe a risk because we're at episode, what, seven of what, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see the rest of the season be about Cybok. Um, that would be such a weird turn. Mm-hmm. If they did do this is the Cybok episode. And they were like, okay, nope, now we're putting him away. Don't worry, everybody. We're going to keep going on with this really like fun, episodic way of doing things. I think we'll be in good shape there. And everybody's tolerance for what is episodic and what is serialized is also very different, very subjective. You know, I like the idea that character moments keep coming back with some impact and with some meaning. At the same time, I don't need every episode to automatically be tied to every character thread that we've had. Right. So, you know, I uh, so far, I like the way that Strange New Worlds has handled it. um, And we'll we'll see if that keeps up. Brandon, yeah. thank you so much for your call tonight. Thank you. Hope, hope we see you again soon. All right. Absolutely. Be good. Hey, uh, Heather, we've, yeah. uh, we've, yeah. we've, we've got another pirate. We do. We do. <laughs> All right. Arr. It is time to welcome to the show, Cherie. Cherie, Arr. how are you tonight? I stole the idea from Ellen, <laughs> because pirates can steal ideas too. Arr. Yes, they <laughs> can. Gotta steal something. <laughs> Hey, you're this stealing, is also from my from Hair costume. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nice, nice. Wait, what? What part of the world are you in? What? What is your Ren Fair that you go to? Uh, well, I've been to many different Ren Fairs actually. Uh, currently in California, um, so yeah. uh, I actually prefer the mid- Ren Fairs out in the Midwest or where I'm from. Um, <laughs> did you go to the one in uh, Bristol in uh, uh, Wisconsin? Mm-mm. No. no. Okay. That that is the only one that I've been to more than a few times. And but I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's a similar troupe. I think the the troupe that does the Midwest fairs are probably like in that region because I get the sense that they travel. Um, and uh, where I was at, they had like a whole village that they never took down. Um, yeah. Like it it stayed there the whole year round, and they would just come back to it when Ren Fair would happen. Um, so it was it was a whole big thing. You could get married there. <laughs> it was oh, yeah. great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for being in theme. And uh, <laughs> tell us what's on your mind tonight about uh, Strange New Worlds. Well, um, I've just, I know this is a nitpick, but I'm just like, are there Love no, are there no pictures of Dr. Aspen in their profile? <laughs> there, are there are no pictures. How did Dr. Aspen get on the ship? But no pictures. (laughs) Like, how did they even get on the ship is what I want to know. 
I yeah. mean, the only way it makes sense is if you just tell yourself that Angel hacked Aspen's profile and put their pictures in there. Uh, but mm, also, yeah. pretty impressive coincidence that they picked somebody else that was non-binary as well, because they, they kept on with they, their, they, them pronouns mm-hmm. for both. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, that's, I mean, it's cool. Um, <laughs> I guess maybe that's why they're like, I'm going to kidnap this non-binary person. Right. <laughs> maybe they're really too. Who knows? I hadn't even thought about that. I was just like, okay, they're on the ship. Why are they on the ship? But that's a really great point is that I guess then the original doctor would have been a non-binary person. And I don't like getting rid of non-binary people, but I do wonder. It was nice I, though I, to have good. Sorry. I, I just also like the fact that they didn't have to like introduce their pronouns or anything it was it was never mentioned but it was just a thing like they they called them by they them pronouns and nobody ever said anything about it you assume they got it from the profile that had no pictures (laughs) (laughs) right Right. it's all fine yeah i mean at least we know that dr aspen presumably is alive and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on an uninhabited planet hopefully (laughs) it's just you, you know not coincidentally inhabited by dinosaurs or something. So, yeah. We, It'll be like a con situation. Aspen! <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, so hopefully we'll find out. Hopefully uh, everything will be okay there. But yeah, that it, it did raise so many questions. Like, was Angel going through records? Because there's a whole thing like, did they actually get from Starbase 12 to somewhere else? So, like, at what point did the kidnapping take place? When were those records changed how did they get to the enterprise we just don't know yeah i mean i i guess yeah there would be many more protocols to go through presumably if uh dr aspen was still working for starfleet and had to go through all of that but if it's just like hey yeah i've been doing humanitarian work on my own and uh it's been a really long time and i'm just going to show up in my own ship yeah i we just don't know yeah that was yeah. That, that was a weird choice. Um, but I, I didn't mind it that much. I just kept thinking about it. If I, it's always just one of those things. They're like, yeah, you know, they're not saying for the plot. Yeah. But I yeah. I was also going to say I did like it better on the rewatch as well. But that was for me it was because on the first time I watched it, it seemed to me like they were go- that Spock was maybe going to cheat on Tapring with uh, Aspen, and I really did not like that. Because mm. I love, I now love Spock and Dupring, and my heart is going to break when they break up. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like seeing Stan still. I, I was, I was, I was glad, and I agree with you that he looks like Stan from the original series. They did a great job. <laughs> that that was amazing. That that, but you know, so the thing about um, Angel in the Doctor Aspen guys that I thought was cool. I I didn't think that there would be a a romantic thing with Spock, but I, I thought about um, I actually thought about Garrick because my my original word for Garrick in our very first watch through of DS Nine and my very first introduction to the character before I knew anything else about him was just that this is a seductive character, and and it doesn't necessarily mean that. He He's hitting on Bashir. Little did I know, you know, oh, at the I time. I shipped them 100%, though. I know. Oh. I shipped them 100%. Oh, I totally get they it. I totally OTP. get it. Yeah, no, I was talking about from the, from the very first episode that I saw Garrick, I just thought th- this is a personality trait. This is like a driving, it is a choice that an actor makes about how to play the character. And one of those traits will be. I am seducing people into my realm, into my personality to get something out of them, to get something that I want. And I felt the same way about Dr. Aspen. It it was a different angle, but it was sort of like, yeah, I'm here on a professional job, but now I've found this in. I found this vulnerable person that I can relate to in this way so I can get something out of him personally. And again, on first watch, Little did I know that there would be this whole change with the character and be to be revealed to someone else. But I felt that way too. Not that it would be romantic, just that it would be intimate and personal. And anything that comes Spock's way that is intimate and personal is going to be a challenge. Because we know that 
there's a whole seething mess underneath there as well. So, um, yeah, I, I hope we see more of them. I really do. Somebody in the chat just said, I, I hope that we get to see the, uh, the matchup of, uh, Angel and Harry Mudd trying to take over the Enterprise. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, great. So I could see that happening. Uh, any other thoughts uh, tonight, Cherie? Well, uh, I, I was going to say that um, I I did think that uh, um, I was today with the Angel. Uh, oh, right, right. I, I think Angel was actually flirting with Fox because they're actually dating Fox brothers. So the chemistry actually makes sense. Oh, After well, on, yeah. the, on the on the rewatch, I was like, "Oh yeah, they probably are attracted to him." Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah. That, makes, that actually makes a ton of sense. Um, and, and look, it's another deep way to be manipulative too. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But I liked it better when I, I knew nothing was going to come of it, and he wasn't going to cheat on Spring. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> as 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 Chapel says in the end, what one of the one of the um appeals of Spock is that he's such an honest man and he wouldn't go after another yeah. woman. Um, so that's why I, that I was worried about that. <laughs> I, I do have to say that this is one of the difficult things in choosing to explore this whole thing in a, in a, you know, canon story where you've got Spock and T'Pring and the only thing that we know about them up until now is the events of Amok Time. So my question is, well, why go there? Why re-explore that? Because we all as Star Trek fans go, well, well, wait, if the only thing that we know is that he supposedly hadn't seen her since they were seven, and then there's this fight, and I, then why are we spending so much time there? So I, I hope it's not just all a big lead up to you know, a Vulcan mind meld to wipe it all out or, or whatever, but at least the ride along the way is pretty fun, you know? Yeah. I also think Cybok might just be like a recurring character, kind of like more. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So I think that could be really fun and cool um, if he's just recurring versus like, you know, I, I agree. I, I don't think they were necessarily setting him up to be like, you know, coming back a ton, but like they could definitely have him recurring. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, a cu- couple of interesting speculations here in the um, uh, in the chat. Alan says, Angel knows the best way to lie to someone is to tell them what they know is true first. Love that. Uh, Michael says, my suspicion is the writers will ratchet back a bit on the Spock-Chapel relationship. I think that's fine, absolutely, because I think we've gotten to the heart of that again that informs what we got in tos and then i love dave he says uh angels clearly got a type (laughs) so definitely uh well said there um sheree if that's uh what you got for us tonight we'll go on to our last caller and uh, we'll see you next time i hope yep all right cheers Take care. (laughs) All right. Thank you for that. And wrapping us up tonight, uh, friend of the show and podcaster, John Arminio. Welcome. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's the last time I'm ever going to do that on the air. Uh, Fine. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Um, Like, one thing that, you know, kind of exemplifies Strange New World's ability to defy my expectations is that moment at the end where Pike does the pirate voice and I'm like just cringing in my seat like are they really doing this (laughs) and then the line please stop made it all worth it yep so yeah so it's like proof of that and I, the, you know, the last time I was on live, I was talking to Norm, you know, and I was saying, like, you know, this series by its very nature is chained to the original series and the continuity of previous characters by dint of being a spinoff of a prequel. But then, you know, I've podcasted about how much I like Star Trek five and how much, how interesting I think it is and how Mm -hmm. it explores so many themes that are inherent to the original series. And as soon as I saw Cybok, I was like, my boy, my boy's back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I am, I can't help it. I'm really excited to see what they do with the character. Um, You know, I, Maybe it's just my own personal bias, but I think with 
Spock. I don't know if there's a character to come out of the 20th century that's so intrinsically tied to the actor who portrayed him. And then yeah. an actor who's so intrinsically tied to that character. I mean, you know, Nimoy has two books meditating on his relationship <laughs> with that character. And so it's, it's still hard for me to watch somebody who's not Nimoy and see Spock. Of course. Like yeah. with, with Chris Pine as Kirk, I was like, okay, I, I got it. It's Kirk. Carl Urban as Bones. Sure. Uh, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the, with the, um, and with the new cast, it's it's been a lot easier. Even with as great as Ethan Peck is, it has been a little hard for me personally. I don't know about mm. anybody else out there, but I am eager to see how Spock interacts with Cybok and how that sort of comports with the Cybok we've seen. You know, especially because you know Cybok is such an interesting antagonist because he's so like he's not out for revenge he's not out to conquer anybody he's out for spiritual fulfillment yeah and he goes about it in a pretty destructive way but you know he's certainly not a jim jones kind of character you know he's somebody who's suffered at the hands of a fairly hypocritical you know society at least when it comes to him and and how he was raised. And so I'm very, I'm just very intrigued to how the show will approach him and his relationship with Spock. And I also just want a catalog of the number of people who have taken over the enterprise because <laughs> the list is getting pretty long. It's a very point. long list. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly when you look at different iterations of the enterprise, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, because of the production shortcomings of Star Trek V, it mm-hmm. is uh, a, an underappreciated movie. Um, I would encourage uh, I would encourage people to go back and listen to the Mission Log episode about Star Trek V. I would encourage people to listen to the epic episode <laughs> that you did. Um, it was this, the the Pink Smoke podcast. Yeah, yeah, right? the Pink Smoke. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, that was like a yeah. two hour plus thing. Yeah. If I, yeah. Yeah. And yeah it it was, was me and three actual filmmakers. Yeah. Who <laughs> were talking about this. I don't know what I was doing there, but I had a great time. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. I mean, that movie deserves discussion because of the ideas in it and, and what they were trying to explore. And I so appreciate that you can just take a moment in an episode like this that just gives you that much more understanding, that much mm-hmm. more background, and it doesn't sort of it, it it doesn't change my perspective on it. It doesn't make me think like, oh wow, they just reinvented it. No, no, no. They just gave me additional information that I wanted that helps. You know, um, so I, I, if that's what it is, I'm I'm all in it. What I don't want is like you know six episodes about Cybok. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, for sure. Because you know, because we we got them, we we got them in the movie. But yeah. um, and I, I yeah. think that's one of the strengths of Strange New Worlds is that it's able to get us encapsulated stories. Whereas if Cybok was introduced in Discovery, as much as it was a little discombobulating finding another Spock sibling, but having no yeah. mention of Cybok, right? It it, w- it would have been a portent for an entire season about Cybok, but yeah. for Strange New Worlds, I'm interested in an episode, and then we can move on to maybe the season finale about something else. Right, right. Uh, we've run just a couple of minutes over here, John. Any uh, any parting thoughts? Um. Just that um, I really love Jesse James Keitel's performance as Angel slash Aspen because um, there was a great scene about, hey, Spock, maybe you're not quite human, not quite Vulcan. Maybe you're something else. And that was a very Star Trek-like message, a little bonk, bonk on the head in the the middle (laughs) of this pirate epic. And I like that. And then... Jesse James also got to be an evil pirate, and I I really appreciated like that that full scope of uh, of that performance, and I, I had a great time watching it. 
Excellent. Well, thanks for the call, and I hope we see you again. And you. Uh, my excellent co-host, Heather, any uh, any thoughts from you before we say goodnight? Uh, I, I, I watch this one a lot because it was so much fun. And I'm even more excited for next week because there's swords, apparently, <laughs> uh, and lots of really great costumes and a dog. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm really happy with Strange New Worlds. The season has been great. Uh, and what we've got three left. We do, and and that brings me to a programming note here, real quick. Uh, Monday, well, July fourth is a Monday night. Uh, therefore, we have very recently decided, surprise, we're going to take that night off. Uh, we will come back for a mega episode the next week, and uh, I think it'll be the three of us, and it'll be me, you, and Norman, Yay. and our glorious callers. So I look forward to that, and then we'll do a wrap up, a season wrap up the week after that and then that takes us firmly into convention season so we'll see how things shake down and yeah uh so more more to come but uh just keep aware of that that we've got another episode of the regular mission log live and then we'll be off july 4th and then we'll be back all right with that mission log live is produced by roddenberry entertainment technical production on mission log and mission log live by the incalculable earl green be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you, Heather, for being with us here. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. We will see you next week. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.